1: Neil Jones-Shaw. How's it going, Neil?
0: It's going great, Joe. It's a real pleasure to be with you this uh, this morning. Looking forward to our conversation.
1: Yes, me too. So, Neil, please introduce yourself and your company.
0: Great. Well, thank you, Joe. So, my name is Neil Jones-Shaw, as Joe said. I'm the Executive Vice President, Global Head of Air Freight uh, for Flexport. Flexport is a full-service air, ocean, truck, uh, customs brokerage uh, freight forwarder but who we who we actually are at our core is we're a technology company, we're a twenty first company, twenty first century company. We've built a cloud based uh, platform that we want to be the operating system for global trade. And I think Joe and I will get a little bit into that during this half an hour. But uh, look forward to chatting with you about it.
1: Yeah, it's interesting you should say that, Neil. I was talking to Rick Watson, who's an e commerce guy, the other day, and I'm going to say the e commerce guy because he's very very good at this. And um, we were talking about Amazon, and he said Amazon's opening some new retail stores. And he said they're doing logistics, and they do e-commerce, and they've got these distributions. And he said Amazon isn't a retailer; they aren't e-commerce; they aren't a logistics company. He said they're a technology innovator. And I was like, and I've been thinking about that ever since he said it. And just as you mentioned Flexport, it came from technology. It's 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 interesting when we what we look at our supply chains now and our logistics platforms. It's more and more technology innovators. And it doesn't mean you don't know free forwarding, you clearly do, but it means hey we, our DNA has tech in it.
0: <laughs> Without a doubt. And and, and you know, we, we do see ourselves as a technology company and, and the industry that we're we're focusing on is an industry that's starved for a revolution when it comes to technology right logistics really operates in the 20th century and last time i checked joe i think we're well into the 21st yep. century
1: yeah and i always tell people uh, you know when the freight guys get here when i mean when the tech guy gets here from uh, silicon valley or uh austin or boston or wherever the tech guys are at these days yeah. um they're going to win. They're like ten and zero. Every industry they come to, they win. No, that's exactly you know. right. And, you, know, don't, you don't see them retreating from healthcare yeah. or automotive. No. It's not like no. that. Was like too hard for us? Nope.
0: No, no. There, there is no retreat. Now, let me. Logistics is hard. You know let us not let's not sugarcoat it. Logistics is very hard, and there's so many stakeholders involved, right, in getting a shipment from A to B. And I'm sure we'll talk about that. But you know, when, when Ryan Peterson founded Flexport, you know he he said there's got to be a better way. You know, when he was importing scooters. <laughs> right from china he goes this is a terrible experience there has to be a better way there has to be technology that can help solve some of the problems that i face every day and the frustrations and that's what we're doing we're shining a big bright light into the black box of logistics and 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 our customers are really gravitating towards it It's, it's been a phenomenal run for flexport it's been a phenomenal last two years even through this crisis has has bred so much opportunity for us it's been mind-boggling actually so it's it's exciting times you yeah. know at flexport these days
1: excellent excellent i know i know it's been an exciting time and i'd like to think it's been uh i'd like to think we're learning from this nonsense yeah <laughs> i hope so i hope it's so. leaving a damn mark <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so before we go any further neil uh tell us a little bit about where a where, little bit about you where'd you grow up where'd you go to school what kind of kid were you
0: yeah, great question. Let's see how I can answer that. So I was born in Washington, D.C., grew up there, you know, to my early, early years, and then moved to Cincinnati, where my dad was working for the Food and Drug Administration. He was a microbiologist. And so, you know, did my formative middle school and high school years in Cincinnati, so good Midwestern town.
1: I love that place. I was just down there before COVID. Much nicer weather between Detroit and Cincinnati. You're like, it's like four hours, five hours. You're like, yeah. but it's much nicer.
0: It's, it's a little bit warmer so that you get those food, extra degrees, a little less snow. So no, you're exactly right. It was a, it was a, it was a, it was a great place uh, to live. And then when I graduated high school, actually, my, my, my dad was relocated back to Washington, DC and, and that's where all my family came from. So I'm, I'm sort of an East coaster at heart, but you know, I, I, I went to school on the East coast. I went to undergrad at Swarthmore college outside of Philadelphia you <laughs> A small uh, liberal arts fancy. Uh, college. Yeah, and that's not and an I, easy
1: school to get into, I don't think, is it?
0: It's it's not an easy school to get into, but it was a great experience, and I was I was lucky they let me in, and <laughs> I, I you know I, I loved my my four years there, and then I did my MBA at Columbia. Um, I did consulting for a few years, um, and then I did my MBA at Columbia, and then I I promptly joined United. So I had this this sort of passion for travel, and and I I found it just to be an amazing sort of industry very complex capital intensive labor intensive how can you ever get this business right and so had an opportunity to go to united and and very quickly at united found myself in the cargo division as united was going through its biggest crisis post 9-11 i found a really really good opportunity in the cargo division at united and and then you know soon after joining it found myself running the cargo division at united which was what uh,
1: percentage of that bit of united's business is cargo because i never gave it a second thought until you said it's a a,
0: It's a it's a great question. And so traditionally, Joe, it's been about, you know, three to four percent of United's overall it's global still revenue still a lot of damn money, <laughs> But but guess what, Joe? It's it's still a lot of money. But you know what the percentage of cargo was last year? It was thirty percent of United's total revenue, right? Because passengers' business fell off. They were able to use their passenger planes just to carry cargo, and they're called praters, and they put them in the sky. They're very progressive about it. And all of a sudden, the cargo division is doing multiple billions of dollars in revenue and save the carrier through the crisis.
1: So wait a sec. So uh, do they take the seats out and put something else like a floor in there so they can move cargo in the same plane?
0: Well, you know, so, so United didn't do that specifically, but some carriers did, like Air Canada and Emirates and Lufthansa, out of some of their airplanes, they removed all the coach seats. They're pretty easy to remove. They kept the overhead bins, but they created space for cargo, and then they used the belly, right? And so between the belly and the seats, you know, you could you could load you know a good amount of cargo 45 50 tons and, and it's like and my drink. old minivan yeah it's that, exactly right that's exactly you take all the seats out and you load everything you can in there and and if you, you remember joe back in march and april and june when we had the ppe crisis right we're trying to get personal protective equipment in we're at the early yeah. uh, throws of covid well these these sorts of airplanes made a difference right because they were perfectly suited for this volumetric you know boxed cargo where you could load up in china and then you know take it off the airplane, whether you were in Chicago or L.A. or Frankfurt or, or London. And, and, and these praters really played an important role early in the crisis. What is prater? It's, it just stands for passenger freighter. So they shortened it to prater you know and 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 these things won't be around forever you know again it's an innovation the industry came up with to say hey we've got a severe shortage of capacity how are we going to fill this gap right and 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 yields had soared to twenty dollars a kilo so you could actually afford to fly these airplanes without passengers and and the airline could still make money And, and and you know from an airline perspective they could keep their pilots busy they could keep their airplanes running which is much better than storing them and and Keep people at work, right? So it, it was it benefited a lot of people, and I I think uh, again, you know, th- the logistics business, airlines, ocean carriers, you know, when when push comes to shove, there's a lot of innovation, right, that that we can bring to bear in order to solve a crisis. It still doesn't mean this industry functions that well, but right. you know, when when we have our backs up against a wall, I always do get impressed that we find a way.
1: Right. I I read an article a few years ago, and it's always it's stuck in my mind, and it was uh Somebody saying we live in a world of predictable miracles and yep. just the COVID vaccine is a predictable miracle. Sure. It, when the Spanish flu hit, there was nobody saying, well, somebody should cr- create a vaccine for it. And then you say, yeah, please do it. <laughs> and there <Yeah>. you go. <laughs> <laughs> so where'd you go after that? Where was your next stop?
0: So after United, I, I went to Delta. I was Senior Vice President, Chief Cargo Officer at Delta and, and spent six years at Delta. We, we, we bought Northwest shortly after I arrived, which was a lot of fun. You know, it was the first big airline merger that was successful. It was probably the, the, the blueprint for how to do an airline merger. I think it's a Harvard Business School case study now. I'm so very proud of what we were able to accomplish there and really Northwest was
1: my jam. That was always the plane <laughs> I took. Now Delta is my planes that I take.
0: Oh, that's good. That's good. I I I, you know, obviously, you know, spent, spent many years at Delta, a very soft spot in my heart for Delta and, and still a huge supporter. And then after Delta, I, I, I left Delta in 2013 and I'm, I'm off uh, doing consulting uh, work, very uh, worked with the Boston Consulting Group. And then in 2017, you know, joined uh, joined Flexport. You know, I met Ryan um, Peterson. I met Sana Manders, who's our COO. And, you know, I just I love the story. I love what they were trying to accomplish. I, you know, I was skeptical. I'm like, man, you guys got some big dreams. And I've been in this business for a long time. And we always disappoint. (laughs) You know, we, we never can achieve these sort of this vision, right? This this technology vision. We've tried, and we've always fallen on our face as an industry. Okay, and it's it's it. You know, they were just incredibly compelling. You know, so
1: you really come from. I mean, uh, if I can say this, a real blue chip freight forwarding, uh, uh, cargo plane, cargo perspective. That's where you come from. That's your background. That's and exactly right. And these guys right. were very much techies, right? They were there.
0: They, they were techies, but more more than that, you know, they're just they're smart guys who are entrepreneurs right? They're just entrepreneurs right. and they saw a problem. You know, I've, I've, I'll be the first one to admit, I've never been an entrepreneur. I've always worked for big fortune 500, you know, like you said, blue chip sort of companies. And, and so this was a pretty big departure for me, you know, when, right. when, when I went to Flexport, but I tell you, I don't regret a, sec- a second, of it. You know, it's been frustrating and challenging and rewarding all at the same time. And, and, and I, I think that, you know, we're really onto something here and, and this crisis you know they always say never let a good crisis go to waste right i mean this crisis has not only created opportunities but has really shown this this light on on all of the issues that exist in logistics and all and i think it, it is going to keep logistics and supply chain at the at the front and center of conversations for years to come for years to come
1: before we get into port congestion let's talk a little bit about flexport i the first time i heard about flexport somebody said it's there you go by F- Facebook for freight forwarding, and I was like, "Hmm, what?" And then I did get a demo. I've got a few demos on it in the past, and it is kind of cool because it is almost it is that kind of. It's not Facebook, <laughs> you know. Your friends aren't connected, you know, although you could connect them, I guess. But it, it's got that nice visual interface, and yeah. that is that is rare in that in that space, especially when you guys got there. So, it is pretty cool. Now, you guys have been booming. Where's the company based at?
0: We are we are based in San Francisco, but we're very much a global company. You know, we, we are we're we're everywhere now between Europe, the U.S. And, and Asia.
1: Could you tell us how many employees, or is that a
0: no? No, I'd be happy to. I mean, we're 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 north of uh, twenty six hundred employees now. Dang, um, that... yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> you guys have been growing like a yeah. weed.
0: Yeah, growing like a weed. I can't even keep track of the, the number of offices we have. But, but you know, we just opened Toronto. We're, we're about to announce a couple of more cities coming up here early next year. You know, we're in several locations, the U.S., in Europe, in Asia. It's, it's really been phenomenal because when I joined you know i was like employee i think 210 or 220 and that was just in 2017 so (laughs) wow i mean that's it's pretty pretty phenomenal growth you know over the years. yeah
1: that's see that's growth that's that's the difference with the tech companies and what's interesting about the tech companies is because you're more efficient because you have the technology you can use you probably can somebody doing the same amount of freight who doesn't have your technology would probably have Twice as many employees.
0: <laughs> they 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 very well could, and 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 I think you know technology you know does obviously bring uh, massive efficiencies of scale, right? I mean, the more you can do machine to machine, right? The more the, the less you have to be as an as a human being and call up an airline to say, oh, when's that flight going to land, oh, yeah. or 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 is my cargo on that airplane? If, if the more you can automate, the more you can spend time actually talking to your customers, right? right? And 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 discussing creative solutions with them? How do you do more business together? You know, that's where we want to invest our time. And that's what our client solutions teams are really geared to do, is spend time with the customer, get to know that customer, become right. a part of the strategic decision, discussion with that customer, so we can eventually, you know, do more and more with that customer, right? That's that's the ultimate objective.
1: Right. And I was think, you know, and you, you've seen this because you've been in this business for a long time. This is a business of clerk work for a long time. Sure. You go, oh, yeah, that, that that came out of that box, and it, it's got a list, and I take that list, and I type it in, and I send it to the next person, and then they, they get <laughs> – there's always somebody taking a piece of paper and go, hey, can you take that fax and scan it and attach it to that file? Oh. There's always a whole bunch of that
0: Thing happening, Joe. It's 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 mind-boggling. I mean, you know, you, I'm, I'm sure you travel a lot. I don't know when's the last time you had a paper ticket, right? I mean, <laughs> you, you don't, you can't even remember the last time you had a paper ticket, right? You can travel any other the world, you know, with a with an app on your phone, and that's all you need. You don't need even your supporting documentation. It's all on an app on your phone. You know, I, I mean, I, I,
1: I didn't trust it for a while because I would get my,
0: sure, yeah, you're of, like I would print well, the what paper? if it disappears or <laughs> exactly. I was
1: like. What if TSA rattles me and then I can't find it?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But, but you trust it now, right? Because technology (laughs) revolutionized, you know, how, how, how we do that. But in freight forwarding, man, we still move billions of pounds of paper around the world because of exactly what you said. It's a clerk driven business. I have a dock box and it has all the paperwork and somebody's got to stamp it and shuffle it over here and then put it on a connecting flight. And it is, it's ugly. It's just super ugly.
1: I remember doing when I still was managing a third-party logistics company, we did mostly less than truckload and over-the-road domestic stuff. And I remember every once in a while for our customers, we'd do something with freight forwarding, and it was all by fax. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not yeah. so long ago. That's 8, that's 10 right. years ago. And I remember it wasn't one fax. It was a whole bunch of faxes.
0: <laughs> it, it's it's still happening today joe still happening today <laughs> you know faxes are still part of this business i don't even know if they make fax machines anymore oh, but God. but fax machines are still part of, of realtors how this love fax industry too. works yeah, yeah. Like, you're right they they, they they're they're yeah, i don't i don't think of the realtor business on, on the cutting edge of technology <laughs> either so so maybe uh maybe we have something in common there
1: yep so today's topic is avoiding congestion and, or, or avoiding port congestion. And in case you guys didn't know this, there is a whole bunch of port congestion right now. I think everybody, you know, if you're listening 6 months from now, I hope to God it's over, but right now, it on the last day of September 2021, there is a is there what 60 ships circling outside of California?
0: Well, I think I think there were 62 ships at at, at waiting outside the port of Long Beach to get a berth as of yesterday morning, something like that. So, it's
1: and from what I've under- heard is it's not just that port anymore that' this that that is contagious. It's now uh, every port, every viable port is more congestion exactly. than normal.
0: Joe, it's the same story, whether you go up to Seattle, Tacoma, or you go east to Savannah, or you go to Rotterdam, it, 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 it's a similar, you're going you're gonna to get the exact similar sort of story, right, no matter where you go.
1: So I know that it's probably a 10-hour conversation, but could you give us like a few bullet points on what is causing that damn congestion?
0: Well, I mean, you know, the congestion at the port is, is 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 driven by you know a few things. I mean, first and foremost, I mean, you know, you have just massive amounts of demand, right? There's just we all so we, much we all went crazy for, buying stuff <laughs> for, for goods. We're we're crazy buying stuff, right? And and it's everything, and and so there there's a lot of demand, right? I, I we didn't go that. on
1: vacations because we couldn't. We didn't yeah. travel as much because we couldn't. And some people got money from the government, and that they. Some of it felt like a windfall. Some of the people got money, and it's not a bad pandemic when you can sit and buy stuff
0: online exactly and i mean what 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 was the number i ever read that you know americans saved up 3 trillion dollars of disposable income during the right. pandemic and and we're still in the pandemic but you know saved up 3 trillion dollars well you know if you're not going to spend it on experiences right and you're not going to be traveling going out to eat as much well you're going to we're, we're we're a consumption society we are we're programmed to do that and so it's similar in europe as well and so people are spending money and they're buying stuff so right so with
1: that massive demand Coupled with.
0: (laughs) you, You got massive demand coupled with, you know, container shortages, but also coupled with the fact that, you know, you have COVID policies around the world, which have which have resulted in, you know, origin ports, you know, in China or other parts of Asia getting shut down for days or weeks at a time because you have COVID cases there. Well, all of a sudden now you get a massive amount of backlog of freight that's stuck at that origin port, right?
1: Hogging up the containers.
0: Hogging up the containers, you know, you can't even bring freight into the port anymore because it's too congested. And then all of these ships are off cycle, right? They're just not, they're not circulating the way they normally would because they're spending 15, 30 days waiting for a berth. That means they didn't make their sailing back to Asia in time. And and then you got congestion there as well because the ports have experienced all these random closures. And so it's sort of this self-fulfilling prophecy that is sort of, you know, and then you get you know crises like the Ever Given in the Suez Canal blocked up the Suez Canal for seven to ten days. Yeah, and that's well, like five percent
1: of world's commerce goes through there, right?
0: Well, then you know all these ships are headed to Rotterdam, and and then you know ten ships show up at the same time, and now you're backlog there, and they don't get to Asia, they don't get back to Asia on time, and 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 this is this is you know the the cycle that keeps repeating itself.
1: I think we have this delicate balance that that when it was working well. could absorb a little more demand or a little less demand and it just worked and we didn't have you know ten thousand or i don't know what the right number is we didn't have tons of extra containers we didn't have tons of extra capacity on trucks or rail or anywhere else or and then all of a sudden (laughs) we had this surge and we can't get the containers and also once you get it here you know, we might have, a, we have a trucking shortage. We have, truckers. have a trucking so, shortage.
0: You have, you know, you have a dock worker shortage, Fresh. you know, just getting, getting containers out of a port, you know, is taking a lot longer than it did. You know, warehouses are full, warehouses are full. So, you know, if you want to do a transload operation, where are you going to do that? You're, it's going to take you a lot longer than you would have three years ago. So, you know, everything feeds on itself, Joe. Right. And so you get delay on top of delay on top of delay. And then a transit time that was reliably 30 days in 2019 is now 75 days right in right. 2021 well you got to think about that throws supply chains into a huge turmoil right. because factories are also delayed with their production because they're also getting delayed getting raw materials in so if the factory's late you got 75 days of now transit on the ocean well, that typically means you might miss your shelf you know your your promise date or you may miss the selling season and and so that's what's driving cargo now you know a lot of people are talking air freight, you know, hey, how do I bypass this because right. I, I can only afford fifteen days of transit, and right. so you know the air freight business is is just like ocean is booming everywhere i mean right. it is they're crazy times crazy times
1: so yeah, and it's funny, people are going to stop listening to my podcast if I keep saying it, but I keep saying VUCA, and we talked about it off, offline, is this volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity, which makes us all feel, and you said something interesting when we were prepping, is this that when in terms of VUCA times, when you have that much complexity and all this ambiguity and uncertainty and volatility, you start to say, well, um, maybe tomorrow I'll know more, right? Yeah. Maybe tomorrow. Yeah. And you said people are kind of waiting. There's a lot of shippers, large shippers are saying, well, things will go back to normal soon,
0: right? Yeah. But, yeah.
1: And they don't want to make a decision. And who blames them, right? Yeah. It's, it, the foundation isn't there right now.
0: You, you you can't blame them because remember we've been conditioned by all of the previous sort of you know every other crisis we've had to deal with you know we've been conditioned that oh we overcome them in a in a, in a relatively short period of time so over the course of the long term you know nothing is impacted and there's maybe short term pain but this crisis is like nothing else we've ever faced and I think that people have been waiting for us to get over it right okay we've right. peaked and now we're going to go back oh yeah and, and we, we just kept on setting a new peak, right? We just kept on. We bounced back a little bit, then we go up higher. And 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 this is, you know, I, I look at furniture manufacturers, furniture companies, you know, where they're like, okay, I'll, I'll I'll wait in three months, the rates will be down. I'll restock my 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 warehouse with the furniture. Well, guess what? Rates never went down, and now there's no furniture in the in the warehouse. Right. So what are you selling? I mean, you told the story about your daughter, right? Yeah, yeah. When well,
1: <laughs> we're prepping for this, I just told Neil that my daughter. bought bought a new house and she bought a new couch and she's getting it in June of 2022. So she orders in September and is going to get it in June.
0: Yeah, Which that's a am, that's a nine month lead time. That's that's sort of crazy. That's ridiculous, right? I mean, because right. we're not conditioned, to... we're not to, used to that. I mean, she's probably going to forget she ordered the couch, you know, when when June <laughs> comes along, and I don't know what she's going to sit on, you know, between now and then. But I guess they'll figure it out. But we're going to rough it. it. It's it's a lot of lot of industries are, are facing this this similar sort of situation, right? And 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 I think that uh, it, you know the VUCA phrase is I think very appropriate because you you are a little paralyzed with decision making right now, because there's so much uncertainty, there's so much, there's just quicksand or not quicksand. There's, there's just shifting sand underneath your feet right. that if you do make one decision over here, what are all the subsequent effects? That's
1: the complexity piece. They're all connected. Yeah. Are the unintended gonna, consequences. They're not just for the government anymore. That's exactly
0: right. <laughs> and, and is it going to make you actually, by making that decision, are you going to end up worse off you know than than, than you are today you know sometimes you don't know the answer to these right now
1: you know it's it's it's, you've had a lot of top jobs at all these companies and you always know that at some point you have to be able to defend that that decision that you made to your superiors to your customers to your team and and if you go well i just kind of i kind of eyeballed it and Here's what I decided, and somebody says, "What do you mean, Neil? What the hell are you doing? <laughs> you're the you're the boss. Right. I expected more from you."
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. But you know, so, sometimes it is coming down to that, right? You just you know, stick your finger in the air and see which way the wind's blowing. But it's 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 not a basis to make you know multi-billion-dollar decisions. You know that some companies right. are faced with making.
1: So let's switch gears and actually talk about ways to avoid port congestion. And I, I think we kind of spoiled it. It is. Air freight. <laughs> so tell us about that option.
0: Yeah. So, you know, air, air freight, air freight has always, you know, been an option for shippers, but it's it's always, a, 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 you know, most shippers think of air freight as an option of last resort. Right. I mean, we have a joke in the air freight business. OK. And, and it's been going on for a long time is that, you know, every air freight shipment is an ocean shipment that went bad. Right. Nobody <laughs> plans for air freight because it's just like, you know, why would I ever pay? the air freight rates, you know, to ship my product, if I can just put it on a ship. Now, that's not entirely sort of across all industries, because you can think of a lot of very high margin, you know, uh, products that 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 rely on air freight right. for their supply. Like chain the vaccine, we
1: out. needed you guys to take that by air freight. I don't want that on the ocean for a month when it's perishable. Right?
0: Without a doubt. So, you know, your pharmaceuticals, your consumer electronics, think about, you know, laptop computers and and iPhones and all of that, you know, all products that that develop you know, right up until a product launch, you know, all of that sort of stuff has traditionally been air freight and and, and will always be air freight. You know, I I told you a statistic when we were talking earlier is that, you know, 1% of the volume of the world's cargo goes on an airplane, 1%, but 35% of the value of cargo oh, wow. goes on airplanes and so it just goes to show that all of the high value stuff really does does migrate to aircraft but now what we're seeing is we're not only seeing a boom for all of these products right you know apple's business you know the vaccine business right it's through the roof right i mean double digit exponential oh yeah and growth. you
1: think about you think about like the um, i'm here in michigan with uh, we have the chip shortage as soon as the semiconductors are available they're going to put them on a boat to ship them
0: over here no 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 and, and, and <laughs> was a product that always went on air anyway, but but right. wait till that manufacturing catches up, right? That's going to be a, a surge of, of, of cargo. But, you know, you've got these companies that are doing well. You had, you know, all these work from home businesses, right? That boom during the, during COVID. I mean, you mentioned Peloton earlier, right? Exercise equipment. Right. Think about keypads and mouses for your home computer to make, you know, it easier right. to do work at home. All those businesses boom, you know, in the early stages of the pandemic and they all shifted their supply chains to air because demand was there customers were walking into the stores saying i want a wireless keypad i want a mouse and i mean you can't tell them you're going to get it in 75 days i right. mean that, that's you not going to the, work well
1: you mentioned the peloton i think my daughter that same one who bought the couch bought a peloton during this time and she's i think it came 45 days late which was that's actually pretty
0: good that's pretty good. I mean, yeah. you know, given, well, given what's they happening tell to supply you, chains. <laughs> it's
1: one, I think it came at la- the end of last year, but it's one thing if you tell them it's going to be this long. It's another yeah. thing if it, it's every day feels like an extra day.
0: Sure. You know, you now have, you know, industries that, that weren't actually, you know, traditionally users of air freight now saying, oh my goodness, like I've got to, I've got to convert my ocean to air freight because if I don't, my fourth quarter is finished. I'm not going to be able to even get product on the shelves, you know. Right. Uh, and, and so uh, we, we have a lot of conversations with customers like this in terms of, Hey, how can we split some of their highest selling SKUs off? How do we get the, the 10 or 15 of the best SKUs and get them on an airplane and right. send the other 80 on the, on the ship? You know, they're having to triage their businesses in this way just in order to, you know, keep you know their their revenue projections all in right. place, right? And and that's the trick.
1: I think one of the things that's been a kind of constant conversation when it comes to the fourth quarter and getting stuff here for the holidays is reducing the skew count. So if you have 300 SKUs and you make the most of your money on these 40, then those are the 40 that you're going to potentially air freight over. Yeah. And when we were prepping, we talked about this. Is you know sometimes you at Christmas time you'd see those gift sets where they're like get this cologne and it's got, you know, comes with a little bag, you know, leather bag with stuff in it. I think this year we're not going to see as much of the added on stuff, right? Yeah.
0: I, I think all of that tchotchke that came along with, <laughs> right. uh, you know, that 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 was on a slow boat from China, as you know, they right. say, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure that that, that, that stuff is going to be around. And and by the way, you know, you know you, you, you make a really good point about, you know, the 300 SKUs and picking out the 40 that, that the most important. You know, from a Flexport perspective, that's what technology allows you to do, right? You go right upstream into the order management system like we do with the factory, mm-hmm. and we can easily bifurcate. These are the 40 SKUs that need to go air freight, and the other 260 are going to go ocean. And, and, you know, having that data and going all the way upstream and getting that data is so critical, right, and structuring that data so you can use right. it. You know, we talked earlier about this industry being on email and fax and all of these old technologies. Well, you know, you can't run a an, an effective supply chain that way. And so when you have this data structured all the way upstream into the factory, you can make some powerful decisions as a shipper. You can say, hey, divert that to the airport because I'm gonna pay for air freight for that, but keep that on the ocean, right? right. Well you now have the ability to do that. And that's that's very powerful for a shipper. Right. So Talk about, you
1: know, so air, air freight costs more and it's, it's not going to be for every product as just to your point. So how much extra is it? I mean, can, do you, can you give us any sure. sort of sense for that?
0: Yeah, I, I, can, I can give you a sense for that. So if we go back to 2019, air freight was probably a, on a per kilo basis. It's probably the, uh, it, it, it's hard to do it on any other basis. but let me just do it on a per kilo basis. Air freight was probably about 40 times more expensive than ocean freight. OK. Wow. And, and, you know, on, on the whole, but but it, it could be different ratios depending on the lane segments you're moving in. But today that ratio's dropped to 8x, you know, so it's gotten much, much closer. Now, it's because ocean freight rates have gone up 10x, right? right? Air freight rates have only gone up about two and a half x. So even though air freight rates are at all time highs, they are they haven't increased at the sort of percentages that ocean has. And so the gap is narrowed. And so for a lot of shippers, you know, this decision now that was a 40X decision before, it's become sort of a little bit easier to say, hey, look, I'm going to spend that much money on the ocean. If I just ate 8X that, I can get the product here. I know I'm going to hit my revenue numbers. I know I'm going to fill the stores. So that is, uh, that's money well spent. Right. And and a lot of shippers are making that, that decision today. You know, in- and if I
1: look at what logistics cost is for a product and let's use back of the napkin what is it 5 ten percent of revenue so if I look at yeah so I think I it depends
0: in, on obviously on the product right if you're talking right. about an iPhone it's probably much much less and if you're talking right. about a, a t-shirt it's, that's probably right yeah
1: so I think overall you know if you look at that 5 ten percent so it's so let's just say my product costs a hundred bucks and I say okay that my logistics cost within that might be let's just say seven eight eight seven dollars right and now it might be much higher maybe it's ten dollars now so i got to re- increase my price of my product from a hundred to 103 if i'm going to pass that cost on to consumers sure. you mentioned that some aren't even doing that though right
0: right uh, well I, I think i think so far a lot well we, we know that inflation has has gone up in this right. country. I think that's more driven with, you know, food and fuel and things like that. I think that for a lot of consumer goods, I think shippers have tried, customer, companies have tried to hold the line. But, but I do think that because this crisis has lasted so long, I expect in 22 that a lot of this extra supply chain cost is going to start to get passed along to customers. Right. But you think, about, you think about this as a
1: consumer you're going out and doing some Christmas shopping or whatever you're shopping for in the fourth quarter, there's it's when when everybody in the retail business and probably the e-commerce business becomes whole, right? That Black Friday isn't Black Friday's Black Ink, guys, and it's not. So it's when retailers come alive. If somebody said, "Now, Neil, you have to pay hundred and four dollars or hundred and three or hundred five for that that you paid a hundred for last year," you're not going to give a second thought. I mean. If it was, if you're buying thousands and thousands, or let's just say you're on a fixed income, you might say, well, I might buy a little less, but I'm still going to buy. Kid wanted that doll, you're going to buy that doll if it's on the shelf.
0: Uh, uh, Americans, Europeans, you know, where a lot of the consumption is happening are not going to abandon the holidays because, you know, there's there's a a premium or a surcharge for the logistics that, 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 you know, of getting that present to, to market. On the long term, though, over a long term, those price increases will start to have an impact, right? Consumers will buy less. And if they buy less over time, that's going to mean, you know, sh- people are going to sell a lot less product and right. maybe that's what it's going to take to get supply chains back into equilibrium where demand falls and then we're, we're in we're in equilibrium again. That's sort of the worst way to do it because we don't want demand to fall because, you know, right. we'd rather demand goes up and we find a way to, to, to keep moving product.
1: Right. So when we were prepping for this, we talked a little bit about this. The worst thing isn't paying extra for logistics costs. It, it's no fun. <laughs> Nobody, you don't like delivering that bad news. And no one wants to hear that my prices went up 10 or 15 or 20 or 30 percent, whatever, whatever it went up. Right. But, but when you think about it, empty shelves is the real problem. Because first off, if I'm a CPG and I don't deliver the goods to my retailers, they are going to lose faith in me, right? They're going to also potentially fine me. <laughs> They're going to say, you owe us money because I could have had something else on those shelves. You're also going to lose revenue. I mean, that's there's no way around it. If there's nothing on the shelf, you can't sell it. Then the, the, you're going to also have your customers going in and sampling other products where I, I'm, a big, I'm a big Diet Coke drinker. And for the most part, I won't <laughs> abandon that. But if you make me and I have to drink some other product... Maybe I like it better, right? Maybe. And then, last yeah. but not least, we mentioned about skew reduction. I think we're going to see companies reduce SKUs in retail, and I think that when we see that, that it's going to happen because I can't count on these guys. One of the things that's going to go into it, I can't count on them. Who cares if they got a great pro- selling product? It's only here eighty percent of the time. So, I'm stepping off my soapbox now, but. My message is logistics cost isn't the isn't the biggest problem here.
0: Yeah, it, it isn't. And, and at the end of the day, it's much better to get it here because the yeah, everything that you just mentioned has a much more, I think, exponent, has an exponentially bigger impact on on the company's long term. Than you know, whatever they might pay for logistics today. It's it's important to keep your competitive positioning, right? You want to retain your market share. <laughs> you know, you want to hit your top line revenue numbers. Those are all very critical metrics for CEOs today. And right. you know, logistics is what it is, and, and so you sort of have to deal with it. But the worst case situation is telling a customer, sorry, I didn't <laughs> get it here because I couldn't afford the cost of the ship <laughs> or the airplane. They're not going to look too kindly on that.
1: So now that we've established that you you definitely should be looking at this, if you want to get around that port congestion, you want to make sure your stuff is here for Christmas or for for the fourth quarter, whatever that is, we should be looking at air freight for certain products. Now, will there be capacity? So if I call (laughs) my friends at Flexport and say, hey, Neil, I heard Joe and you talking, and yes, I want to move stuff by air. Is that can you get that done? Or is that going to be, yeah, call us in the first quarter?
0: <laughs> yeah, no, you know, uh, well, I mean, it, it's going to be a little bit of both, Joe, but I, I think that, you know, overall, uh, you know, air freight capacity is also, you know, completely maxed out, right? I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to give you some numbers that probably be a little bit shocking. But if you were to go back to 2019, and you wanted to charter a 747, Between Shanghai and Chicago, a very popular air route, you would have paid about $500,000 to charter a 747 that carries 110 tons of cargo between Shanghai and Chicago in the fourth quarter. This is the traditional peak season, as we call it. We've been in a peak season for 18 months now, but this is the traditional peak season today to charter that same airplane from shanghai to chicago would cost you between 1.4 and 1.8 million (laughs) dollars so three or
1: four times more three or four
0: times and and actually you may not you don't even guarantee to get an asset because the assets are so spread so thin and and so sold out that Even if you're willing to pay those prices, it's not like there are 10 providers lined up to offer it to you, right? You may get lucky and and get one flight. So capacities. Capacity is extremely limited on the air freight side as well. Demand is far exceeding it. Now, from a Flexport perspective, you know, we made some decisions early on in this pandemic you know, um, to take long-term capacity. We partnered very closely with Atlas Worldwide Holdings, largest operator, 747s in the world. And, and we took a couple of airplanes on long-term contracts. And 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 we did that with several other carriers, too, taking block space agreements. Everything that that we felt we needed to do in order to protect our customers and keep their supply chains moving. And it's, it's proven to be a very, very good decision for us because, you know, we, we've been able to put solutions in front of customers that some of our competitors haven't been able to do simply because we have these assets at our disposal. But right. they, too, are, are quite maxed out <laughs> and and you know we we do our best every day to to accommodate all of the requests that we get but at some point right you're completely sold out <laughs> and and there's right. not any more freight you can squeeze on but so so when you get those blocks
1: that do you, do you say you get to say that's we want these planes to move from here to here and here here to here oh, yeah. or yeah do- Okay. Yeah, we,
0: we 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 tell them exactly where to fly and, and they fly a schedule that we put together. Um, and we do it in close cooperation, obviously, with the airline because right. it's their crew resources and where they right. have to do maintenance and this and that. But but you know, like we have a strategic partnership with Atlas. It's a it's a strategic partnership. I right. talk to them every day. I'm very I close bet. to their senior management team. <laughs> yeah. And and you know, they we 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 find ways to 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 do to make everything work to benefit the end customer. You know they're also very focused on the shipper, right? You know Because they're the ones that ultimately pay the bill that make all of this possible. And so right. you have to put creative solutions in place and you have to then deliver a reliable product. At yep. the end of the okay. day, you have to deliver a reliable product and that's what we're really focused on doing.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned the, the term strategic a few times and I think that's so important because I think people who you know committed to a strategic partnership or a relationship with a, a company like Flexport they're in a lot better shape than the people who said, oh, I just kind of talked to them. I, I I send this stuff out to 10 freight forwarders and say, who's cheapest? And that transactional model, this is the time it bites you right now.
0: Oh, so. it hurts you. It hurts you so bad. I mean, if, it, if you were the shipper that just went out to bid for every air freight shipment, man, you are feeling the pain right now because, A, very few people are even interested in your business because they're already too busy. And because you never formed a strategic relationship with a logistic service provider, right? Or, you know, you, you, you find yourself at the bottom of the barrel, right? They, they almost don't trust you. They're like, oh, if I help you out today, you're not going to be loyal to me tomorrow. Right. And, and you know, we've really doubled and tripled down on that strategic relationship. You know, we were always strategic to our smaller customers because they relied on us from everything, right? We were their supply chain. And so, you know, we always had a strategic relationship with them, but even the larger customers that like to keep you at arm's length are now sort of very engaged in the strategic conversation <laughs> right. at a very senior level. You it's know. time
1: for a big hug.
0: <laughs> it's time. Oh, yeah. They, they want to they keep you close now.
1: Neil, I'm coming to Chicago to see you, buy you a beer. <laughs> yeah, a, 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 exactly,
0: exactly. You might even get a steak dinner out of them now. Who knows? I mean, you know, but but I'll tell you, the, the relationship is morphing. It is changing because I think everybody took supply chains for granted before because right. we sort of conditioned them to. There was enough capacity. Rates were relatively stable. It represented such a small percentage of the gross margin or the gross cost of the product. And now everybody's like, oh, boy, we can't can't take our supply chain for granted. We got to double and triple down on this. And we got to put a lot more strategic muscle, you know, behind our relationships. And, and that's, what's going on here. I mean, you know, for us, it's been an unbelievable two years of opportunity, you know, with, with, with new customers, very large customers who've said, Hey, let's talk, let's, let's figure this out together. And, and we love having those sort of conversations.
1: This is the time to lean into your 3PL and say, you know what? T- tell me what I need to do. I know I've held you at arm's length potentially, or we've, you know, had quarterly business reviews and that was it. Now it's time to start saying, help me, help me. Yeah. I'm listening. You know, what used to work isn't working anymore. What do I need to do? And I think that that's when, and I'm not just saying this because you work at Flexboard. that's when it also pays to be working with somebody who's got scale, somebody who's got clout. You get when you guys call, carriers you call on the bat phone right <laughs> there uh you, know, you have also yeah. you know dedicated assets yeah. to you it's different than the mom pa freight brokers are out there who do a great job i'm not putting them down but they don't have the uh they don't have the buying power
0: you're right it, it is difficult i mean you know there, there are thousands of, of great companies that that are in this business um but but you know if if you don't have the leverage today and you don't have they didn't you know, sort of charter
1: Seven forty-seven. No,
0: it's it's uh, because you know that that that's a big balance sheet activity, right? When you're when you're you're betting hundreds of millions of dollars on on you know over a long term period of time. So. I think that, you know, you're exactly right is that, that you know, the, the companies that weren't able to do that are finding themselves in a, in a pretty tough spot. Now, you know, Flexport isn't the only company that doubled down on capacity. A lot of our largest competitors, you know, have, have done the same thing over the course of this crisis for sure. Uh, but, uh, you know, you're going to have to continue to believe in yourself as an LSP. You're going to have to believe, you know, that you can put creative solutions together and that the customers will end up paying for that creativity and reliability. You know, I tell our shippers today, you know, I have very frank discussions with, with a lot of our customers. and I say, look, guys, you have got to you've got to optimize for reliability today. If you're trying to optimize for that last nickel or that last dime, you are going to find yourself in a world of hurt. OK, optimize for reliability, keep your right. businesses moving forward. Right. And, and I think most of them have take have heeded that advice and like, OK, whatever it costs, it costs. But let's now make sure when you say it's going to be there on Tuesday, it needs to be there on Tuesday. Right.
1: You know, it's interesting. I always say any process can be made more efficient, right? Meaning fewer resources used in any process. Ideally, you can become more effective, meaning hitting the the goal more often, and so you can look at process, and they, we've always focused on more efficient, more effective, more efficient, more effective. And now I think in this last go round, we're saying I want it to be more resilient. I want I want it to I want to be more reliable, yeah. which you could say is an, an effective thing, but it's really saying when we hit these VUCA times, I need it to work just the same. Yeah. Because we're not guess what in state anymore.
0: We, we we used to we used to take reliability sort of for granted. And now, we, you know, in the VUCA stage that we're in now, guess what? Reliability is, is that's the sand that's shifting <laughs> underneath your seat. And so reliability now has been thrown out the window. Right. And, 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 and so now you got to double and triple down on focusing on that. And, and the rest will fall into place. And I don't know if it'll fall into place in a year, two years or, or six months. I have no right. idea really, but it's, it's we're, we're, we're dealing with this for a while. Okay. It's going to be around.
1: I know somebody knows at your place because you guys have that technology that isn't there like an algorithm that tells you what to do. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> so <laughs> talk a little bit about you your can. technology <laughs> and how that helps in these times.
0: Well, I mean, you, know, you, you can build algorithms for a lot of things. You still you, it, it, nothing, nothing supplants or, 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 or replaces experience. And, and, you know, sort of that strategic sort of thinking and all that, that you need to have in order to prepare yourself to, to manage through a crisis like this. But, you know, for, for, for us, the tech is truly what's going to differentiate us down the road. I mean, we truly are building the operating system for global trade. And, and, and we want we want we would love for 50 percent of global trade to move across our platform, you know, because it truly is bringing a much better outcome and, and a much better experience. To the shipper. Right. And at the end of the day, that's what we all need to focus ourselves on. We need right. to focus on the shipper and what, what allows them to keep these global supply chains in place. Because as soon as the shipper stops believing that the supply chain is going to work, right? Global trade sort of breaks down. Right. Right. right, It just doesn't. And, and we all know that the world is better off with global trade. We want more global trade. We don't want less global trade. That would be really dumb. Right. Yeah. I mean, we want more of it. And so I, I think that whatever we can do to facilitate that outcome is what we need to do. And, and right. that's what we're focused on.
1: Yeah. And when I mentioned the technology, one thing that I think is really significant now is if you're listening to this podcast, you say, oh, I'm used to visibility. We have a, we have visibility now on, on over our domestic shipments. And that's great. Except, you know, our supply, t- our customers in the supply chain, they're looking end to end. They're looking from the time I make it in China or India or Europe to the time it gets to my consumer. I don't want two days of visibility. I want visibility end to end. And I think... The difference was in in our business, and when you're talking about free forwarding, there's a whole bunch of different players. It's not just a broker and a trucker and, and a shipper and a receiver. There is guys in China who have you know, a factory. They speak a different language. They're a different time zone, <laughs> the, the, the different trucking systems. You have like, what, seven, eight, ten players at, at least? least at not least. counting customs and you know the security people at both borders. So the visibility that you guys can give now is so much more significant because at least now I can say where my stuff is. Yeah, I've always been in the last few years, last five years, we can say that here domestically. Now we can say, oh, wow, it's on the ocean or in the air.
0: <laughs> you can start to say that. Yeah, it, it's 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 international for sure. And and, you know, we use the phrase, you know, uh, freight forwarding is a relay race, right? A relay race means you're handing I off love that. Yep. And, and it's a relay race. That's what it is. I mean, and you mentioned seven to ten stakeholders along the way, you know, factory origin trucker, warehouse, airline you know, destination trucking, customs clearance, warehouse, you know, etc., right? So, you know, no one company is going to control the end-to-end. That's what FedEx and UPS do, but they're in a different business. Right. That's a small package expedited business. You know, they control the end-to-end, but but, you know, in freight forwarding, nobody's going to control the end to end because you can't be that asset owner that has everything. And so the only thing to glue all that together is technology where you're communicating right. all along the way. So everybody in this value chain has a responsibility to invest in technology and 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 to bring their businesses into the 21st century. We're trying to overcome for all of the, the, the underinvestment with our own investment, <laughs> you know, right. trying to, to, to strengthen all of this together and i think we have the absolutely industry leading product here and we continue to have 500 engineers at our company that work day in and day out to continue (laughs) to add functionality yeah it's a big number you know continue to add functionality continue to you know make our platform better every day it gets better and and more functionality but you know that that's the goal, right? Because because if you can do that now, you know you've created something truly special, and and it completely changes the experience for the end user. Right. And and now you know that factory in China, which you said, oh, they speak a different language. They're they're a contract manufacturer. They don't right. only work for you. They work for you know 10, ten, ten other you know companies you know, those, they're now communicating inside the platform. Right. That's powerful because now you have, you have that much more information, that much further upstream, you know, in the process. And then right. you can do a lot of things downstream to, to make up for that.
1: <laughs> yeah. And again, I've seen you, I've seen a demo, you guys got a very cool product and I'm sure it's been much better than, I only saw it two years ago. So it's probably got, Oh my goodness. Yeah. More, yeah it's night and nicer. day now. Yeah. So I want to summarize. I want to get your final thoughts on this. So Today's topic again is avoiding port congestion. Of course, in these uh, one of the big solutions, that we talked about, is air freight. And 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 I think it's not for every skew. You, you, you're going to have to figure that out. It's going to be more likely high margin SKUs. And we're going to probably be talking about reduced SKU count. You know, we're not going that that that's probably going to be one of the buzzwords for this fourth quarter is reduced skew counts. What do I actually need? And then and then again, the biggest cost isn't the additional logistics cost. It's not having stuff on the shelves. <laughs> it's disappointing customers and end users. And the capacity we talked about, which again, I think this is where you really want to work with somebody who's got some scale. They've got the uh, relationships. They've got the money to spend and to, to charter capacity. We talked about technology. And again, I think the big message also is you need a strategic partner now. Now is the time to lean into your 3PL and say, Help me. <laughs> Help me. What do I need to know? Um, So final thoughts on this, Neil.
0: But no, I mean, yeah, I I agree with everything you you, you just said. And I think, you know, just in in the interest of time, I'll just say that, look, you know, right now, reliability is everything. And, And, you know, as a shipper, you need to optimize for reliability. Everything else is sort of predetermined at this point in time. And so you need to work with LSPs that bring creativity to the table that will work strategically with you to optimize for your reliability because that's how you're going to see your way through not only this fourth quarter but let me tell you through 2022 right. okay and and we're trying to do a lot of creative things and we'll hopefully have some exciting things to announce in the coming weeks you know about things we're doing to expand you know our capacity and things that we can do in order to help take care of our customers you know not only just right now but again over the course of the next couple of years because this crisis isn't going to abate you know, uh, it, it, soon it, it's going to continue, and we're going to feel the impacts of it. So that that would be my overarching advice. And, and at Flexport, we're we're always happy to engage in a conversation with an existing or a new customer.
1: So who's your sweet spot? Who do you guys serve?
0: Well, you know, we started out serving small, you know, small SMB, small enterprise sort of customers because they really needed our help. They were sort of treated badly by the traditional freight right. forwarders. They didn't get they didn't get the visibility and all that. And for us, it's a it's a it, you know, everybody works on the same platform. So it doesn't matter if you're the biggest shipper or the smallest guy, you get the functionality, you know, and, and everybody gets access to that. So, but but now, you know, we've started now skewing, our growth is skewed towards those big global key accounts. Right. Those guys that have, you know, thousands and thousands of tons of, of, of freight, whether it's ocean or air freight and 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 really rely on very reliable, you know, daily uplift, you know, all that sort of stuff. Right. right? They're not shipping once every two weeks or shipping 10 times a day. And, and we're starting to now skew our growth because you can't you can't scale a business like ours without starting to work with those right. types of customers. So we're doubling and tripling down on them and, and, and it's been it's been a lot of fun over the past year, you know, getting to know some of these customers and start working for them. And we've got many more in the pipeline. So it's exciting times for us.
1: Cool. Are you guys speaking any conferences? Any upcoming yeah. or-
0: So, I mean, uh, I I speak at a number of conferences, you know, representing Flexport, a number of conferences around the world. And we've got, you know, the IATA conference coming up in Dublin um, on on the 12th to to 14th of October. But but the one thing I want to mention for your audience, I think is going to be very special and very powerful is our own Flexport Forward 21 conference. It will be virtual again this year. Next year, we'll be back in person. It'll be on October 19th to the 21st and just go to flexport.com and you can sign up uh, for this. Yeah, what I'll do is I'll
1: put a link. You guys can give me a link. Yeah. up it in the show yeah. notes.
0: Yeah, that would be great. And, and I'm going to be doing an air freight broadcast uh, during that that conference that's going to have two very interesting people as part of my panel. First is going to be Michael Steen, who's the EVP and Chief Commercial Officer of Atlas. The world's largest operator of freighter aircraft in the world and 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 very much at the tip of the spear you know when it comes to you know solving supply chain problems so we have michael uh, who's a good friend of mine and and somebody i've I've known for for 15 years and then we're also going to have matthew smith who's the senior director of procurement for western digital they are the largest hard drive manufacturer in the world. Their business is booming at an all time high. We're a major shipper for it. we're a major LSP for them. And uh, you know, Matthew will bring the perspective of a of a large Trans-Pacific air freight shipper right. and, and sort of the challenges that that they face in their businesses over the year, but what what has enabled them to keep up their astronomical growth? So I'm really excited to have these two guys that they're both friends. They're I think they're it's gonna be a great panel. So Excellent, excellent. Thank you for allowing me to plug that on your podcast. No, no, it's
1: a, I think it'd be great to see. And uh, what I'll do is I'll put those those links in the show notes. And it sounds like interesting interesting conversations. And I, I I love these virtual. I think even when we go back to uh, uh, traveling more, I like the idea that some of this stuff is virtual because I don't want to travel every damn week. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. And, and, and more people can participate, which is great. You, you, you like that.
1: Yeah. Neil, I really appreciate you taking the time. I know I've gone way over. I <laughs> you know you're probably late for two meetings, but yeah. um, thank you so much for coming to my podcast and talking about this very important topic.
0: Thank you very much, Joe. It's been a real pleasure uh, chatting with you and getting to know you and best of luck.
1: Thank you so much. And I thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support is very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward.